0: hey everyone I'm so excited for wondering as parents how to talk WAP this is Candace Coleman um, so what happened was last week I had a really bad cold and one of those awful window colds and so when I recorded me and Alicia I was hacking a bit long during it it was no bueno so anyway I ended up um, just redoing it and now we have her on a different recording where it's not as bad so anyway I'm really excited to introduce her Alicia lives in Texas she's actually one of my failed by um nailed it holiday uh contestants as well and she has a lot of insight in life including her brain injury being with her partner and kind of how she grew up in a polyamorous house so anyway i hope you enjoy it take it away alicia hey 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 can you hear me I can! How are you doing, Alicia? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. So I just wanted to let everybody know the reason I skipped last Thursday was because we recorded and my cough was awful. I got one of those awful winter colds. And so there was so much hacking on my part that I just felt like it was not audible to put out. So I wanted to redo this interview. Um, And Alicia is so sweet during the holidays to uh, come back on again and redo an interview. (laughs) So let's just dive into it. Um, I wanted to let everybody know Alicia is one of my fellow Holiday Nailed It contestants. Um, You were season one, but what was your episode again? It was episode number five, Toying Around. Yes. And so, um, Alicia, as most of you guys know, is one of the biggest reasons I decided to go on Nailed It. Um, not only did I love her charisma, and I loved everything she did on Nailed It, and her story was amazing, but I loved her tattoo that she got of her, her doll cookie. And so, I actually got my Santa cake tattooed on me as well. Um, to it was that totally photo. inspired by you, so I really Aww. appreciate that. So, and you know I have some Nailed It fans, so if you want to quickly just like kind of tell your experience about Nailed It and um, kind of go from there.
1: Sure. Well, I won't spoil anything because it oddly seems that a lot of people still haven't seen it. I literally get messages daily, so I won't spoil it for anybody. But if you are a fan of Nailed It, holiday season is two seasons deep into the weeds now. And on my episode, we were um, challenged to make moving cookies. And these cookies were a very difficult chemistry style, um, kind of like a molasses cookie. And in doing that, you had to create different parts, you had to make them move. And well, in good old nailed it fashion, you had like 45 minutes to make this cookie (laughs) function. And then you know, that was really difficult and hard, and then you move into the cake round, or the, the more difficult round, like I like to call it the $10,000 fail it, or fail it round, and yeah. um, we had a cake round, and we needed to make a triple-layered cake to include a head of a robot, and well, it was disastrous, but I will say that through all of my experience with Nailed It, the episode changed my life, the... Um, The memories really aren't mine, and if you watch the episode, you'll know because uh, I did suffer a traumatic brain injury, so I don't have a lot of those memories of my own. It is actually the TV that gives me the memories, and it looks great. I know there was a lot of hours involved, and, and, you know, it's really, it's changed my life. Nailed It has really just given me something that I never thought that I would get from a silly 31-minute television show on a streaming platform that not everybody has access to. Um, and the people and the fans are just, they're phenomenal.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, they're so awesome. It's funny. Cause like when I was working the polls, um, I actually had a few people that stopped me and were like, you were on nail day. And I was like wow. Yeah. I can't believe you recognized me. Um, you know, and even like, you know, moving to a new area, my daughters, um, you know, go to different schools and I'm not kidding you. It's so funny. Cause I'm like, I'll get kids. I just jump out of the car and they're like, you all nailed it. You won the $10,000. And I was like, yeah, that was me. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're a me!" And then like, I always like never know what to say to them because I'm always like, keep on baking horribly. Like, <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah I mean that is really funny and when you think about the show is set up to it's not set up to mock people but it is set up to show that even in our struggles and the things that we don't really know how to do perseverance truly is key Um, Mm -hmm. and when you meet with those fans and they say like you are so amazing you did so good in the back of your brain you're kind of thinking but did I really do that good because it looks like shit or you know like some of those things kind of tasted like shit. Mine did not. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you the truth that from behind the veil of TV magic, both my cookie and my cake were um, applauded by Jacques Torres, and I indeed can bake. I just need to work on my decorating skills. But like you said, like yeah. I, tell, I look at fans and I say, huh, well, keep baking. And I kind of stutter, and I'm like, well, Shoot, what else do you say when you kind of made a shitty thingy and people loved it? So right. I'm right there with you. It's kind of odd.
0: <laughs> it is because like, I feel like I still get a lot of people because like, I still love the bake and I still give people my baked goods and stuff. But it's so funny because I feel like like even if I try to make something really good I still feel like everybody really applauds like how bad it doesn't matter what my baking's like it's just so awful you know and I'm always like I kind of love that we had the platform of that where nobody expects me to give out these like royal like icing sugar cookies from like sugar rush and they're like what why is your stuff like this like if it is like semi-decent they're always like I thought you were on nailed it and I was like I was. I just literally somehow did this. Wow! Well. <laughs> you got the golden egg. So
1: right. And you know, I I think about the stuff that people have asked me to do over the last two years, and it's a lot. I do bake regularly with nailed it fans across the country and the world. So I do a, a Zoom bake. Uh, and then I I get asked, "Can you make a cake?" Well. Yes, I can make a cake, but you do understand that my entire shtick is Nightmare Dolly. Nightmare Dolly broke the <laughs> internet, and Nightmare Dolly has articles written about her. So if you give me a picture of what you want, just know you're going to get what I can create. It'll taste really good, but it's going to look like it deserves to be sitting on the Neldit shelf behind Jacques and Nicole. And people want that and I find that crazy because I've literally been asked to make birthday cakes and um uh, I made a a birthday cake I made a holiday cake I have done holiday treats and they turn out looking fugly but everybody loves them and they taste good I mean I have been my decorating skills have drastically gotten better over the last two years but I suck at making sugar cookies but I have a bomb sugar cooker sugar cookie recipe and it tastes good they just look like Like, my dog ran them over with her paws.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I love that. I love that you have uh, a whole following to, like, bake with you and stuff. Like, you know, we discussed before. Like, yeah, and, like, more people, like, want me to send, like, videograms to their kids or, like, people that they know and those kind of – Like, I feel like nobody wants my bakes. Like, they just, like, want me versus (laughs) all of that. And, like, it was really cool because, like, in the Down Center community or, like, special needs, like, I just think, like, a lot of moms like me – feel a lot of pressure being a parent and a special needs parent. And then when you have to do these like bake-offs or you have to do these like, you know, things for school and stuff, like all of us are just like, just go and buy something because we want it to be pretty. And I just feel like I was the one person I was like, nope, you're going to mm-hmm. get exactly what I think. I am the Salvador dolly of baking and that's what you're going to
1: get. <laughs> oh my God. We need to have an instant uh, an Instagram um, post called Salvador baking and yeah and just constantly post these items that people ask us to bake or we take to places and we just keep posting to it and nobody knows who it is well people who listen to your podcast will know but you and I just secretly post these bakes and watch people goof or gaggle or cackle over them because literally I feel like I'm a Salvatore Baker for
0: sure yes I know I feel the same exact way oh my gosh I agree that is like so perfect which like kind of really segues into what my podcast is about which is I feel like that's one of the things I really identified with being on Nailed It was the fact that nobody is perfect and that I think perfection is definitely something for like the three percent And then everybody else kind of is just winging it and we're trying to do the best we can. And so when I started navigating this podcast and kind of like seeing how people are interpreting the WAP song and all that and me having a special needs daughter and a neurotypical daughter, I was like, how do I navigate this conversation the most woke I can, but at the same time, like make it so it's not – how we grew up but like talking about that kind of conversation and realizing we're all imperfect and that nobody's going to have this talk perfectly. I don't think I know. And like, I mean, I think you're like my ninth person that's been on this. And like, I feel like nobody's parents, like they were like, my parents killed it. Like they nailed it on that, you know? And so that's why I was like trying to kind of figure out where do we go? How do we, can we make this perfect? Is it always going to be an imperfection on such a taboo conversation? Hmm. So, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, what was the first song that was like WAP that you heard um, for the first time in your life? Hmm.
1: Let's see. Honestly, I mean, the 80s and 90s were really crude. And when I think about like horny songs by Empowered Women, there's so much that comes in. Um, My Neck My Back by um, is it Kaya Kia? Yeah, um, and then there is like some amazing Tony Braxton songs and How Many Licks by Lil Kim. So it really just depends on where I was because I say that because I grew up very quickly and I had my um, Birds and the Beast talk when I was probably four. I had a full-blown conversation about what is proper touch, what is not proper touch by the time I was five. And that was because my dad had passed away when I was three. So my mom was raising two, a three-year-old and a four-year-old by herself. And she quickly, quickly grew us up. I mean, I was cooking by the time I was five and a half, babysitting my brother at six. You know, I kind of had this latchkey kid lifestyle because my mother had to work. And she had to make sure that she was doing some, in air quotes, raising of us. So music has always been in my life. And there's always <laughs> been those really powerful sex-positive ballads. But if I'm thinking about women-specific, it's My Neck, My Back or, you know, some Tony Braxton stuff. And even, like, a Spice Girl song and a TLC song. Um, Red Light by TLC was big in the 90s. And so it's hard for me to pinpoint a song, but... I so how did you I feel
0: mean. when you heard those songs?
1: Uh, you know, like, in the, in the moment when you're young, you kind of just enjoy the beat. And I was like, yeah, these are cool songs. But then when you know the lyric of them, it's like, oh, oh, God, <laughs> this is intense and crazy. Or this is <laughs> vulgar and I feel a certain way. Um, but there was never this, like, shy moment because I didn't, I didn't have that shy interaction while my mom was having to educate
0: my brother and I so quickly so there was never like a clutching your pearls like you were like oh no like it just was more of a oh wow you use that like verbalization to represent that is that I want to make sure I'm hearing that clearly uh,
1: absolutely and I would say I clutched my pearls if we're gonna be making some fun little phrases when Megan the Stallion and Cardi B pull the lyric like macaroni in a pot and I remember sitting yes. in the car with my wife and I hadn't heard the song yet um, and I don't know why I didn't hear the song I think because COVID I just sit in my house and was watching a lot of Netflix at the time and we're in the car and we're headed to pick up something and we listen to the song and she starts recording me at a red light just to look <laughs> at my response and when she says macaroni in a pot I literally gagged and was like oh my god that's so disgusting and she's just dying laughing and that was a moment like I think that's the only moment in my entire life where I have been like oh my god that is so descriptive in a very distinct sound when you are about to put the milk and the powdered cheese and macaroni and it just yeah. makes that like globby suctiony noise and that was the moment that I can look in my head and see in my mind's eye that yeah, that is exactly where I uh, grabbed my curls and was clutching on for dear life. Like, I cannot believe that. And then my wife just started laughing. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it's WAP. And that's wild, because that, that's what we're talking about. And that was the moment in 35, almost 35 years of life where I was all, oh my God, that's a little too much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny. So um, I, I wanted to hear, what was your sex talk with your mom like?
1: Oh man, you know, 30 years ago, it feels really still very clear. And I think it was because it was so quick and it was very needed at the time. Um, My mom said, this is a penis. This is a vagina. If a man or a woman who is not your mom touches you on your, on your butt or on your chest or in between your legs or on your thigh or on your parts that are private to you and only you or anywhere on your body that you don't agree with, you come tell me and you scream very loud. And Mm -hmm. this is how babies are made. You have to have a penis and a vagina and there is sperm and sperm creates a baby and an egg. And what else did she say? Um, uh, And then she said, sex is not a bad thing. And in the same talk, when I was four years old, she made it very clear that my, at the time, godfather was a gay man who was HIV positive and that it was okay Mm -hmm. to be gay and to love whoever you love for who they are, not for their, at the time she said, plumbing um and that you you love them for their character and their morals and their values so that is like the quick snapshot and then there was alicia there any questions no okay and then that was it and then anytime there were questions that came up i could ask her but i didn't because i knew everything that i think i needed to know that i don't really remember having to ask her questions about sex ed. I did have conversations when we had to do the fourth grade sex ed program. My mom signed the paperwork and said, just remember, this is going to be watered down and it's going to come from a religious standpoint where they will talk about sex is bad until marriage and that you have to save yourself and that you can only have uh, sex with one person and it must be a man and a woman. Um, So when I was in fourth grade, I guess the conversation was expounded upon, but really that's kind of where it stopped. And then I, Hmm. you know, I was very inquisitive when it came to television or when the internet became a thing. We had a full set of Encyclopedia Britannica
0: when I was growing up. And so- Oh oh my gosh, we did too. And that's how my mom taught me how the sex talk was with my Encyclopedia Britannica. That's epic. Because I
1: literally would go into- the, the S's for sexual reproduction and I would read it and ours were in color the pictures were in color we had the blue book yes um, the blue cover books and then there were appendix for um like like youth sexual education I think there was one of them and I would read them and my mom would ask like what are you reading and I would show her and there was really no sex wasn't a taboo topic in my in my family so it was very yeah. open and I mean I had been dating. My brother and I had been dating. We always had condoms in the bathroom underneath the sink if needed. Um, All of our friends knew that my mom was a safe space for um, if they were sexually active or they needed help. My mom was that safe person. Um, I can't tell you how many times my mom helped somebody who was um, in fear that they were pregnant. And if they needed to go to a clinic, um, have conversations about that. My mom was truly the mom that everybody needed. And God rest her soul. She's now gone. Actually, she's sitting next to me in a pile of ash. Um, She, you know, oh. like, uh, I know that she would be sitting here patting me on the back and saying, You know, I'm glad that I was able to help your friends because she did. And she helped give people proper sex education conversations. We talked about dildos. We talked about vibrators. I mean, we talked about everything. My mom, there was nothing that my mom hid. So I have a very different approach to sexual education and I have a different background when it came to how i was educated on sexual matters
0: wow i mean i'm not gonna lie i want to be your mom like she is exactly like what i want like if ramona was on a podcast like this or molly i like want both of them to be like my mom was like this and she didn't throw it in her face Mm -hmm. but like she was like the one everybody could turn to and like was very like body positive and was like not like that you know, like you said, one man, one woman. Like, I just um, I don't ever want to be that that person especially because I have a lot of friends who come through a lot of identities and I never want my girls to feel like that they have to be stuck in that whole straight gender roles, you know, which I also like, I mean, this sounds bad, but I just have so many friends that have so many sexual identities and I feel like everybody was always wants to hear the coming out stories. However, sometimes I'm like, let's not hear the coming out stories. Let's hear about the stories of when you found out that, or like you discovered what preference you were, what do you identify as? How did you get the information to be able to navigate that? Was it from your mom or was it, did you go through like porn? up because I'm like I always love i I get coming out stories and it's really, really, really heroic and it's so hard you know but at the same time I'm like I feel like nobody ever talks about like you know like my one of my best friends like he didn't know like he had no clue how to be with a man he just knew he needed to be with a man so that's why um I wanted to hear what your opinion was um and also was it just porn or did you have somebody who kind of like helped you with that conversation
1: uh, it's loaded right because yeah n- no um the first time I was introduced to porn was I my mom had a video and there was a new episode of the um, the X Men the animated series coming on and I was gonna miss it because I wouldn't get home from school on time so I put it yeah. in the VCR we programmed the VCR and it recorded so I got home from school me and my brother and a friend of ours are sitting around watching the X-Men, the animated series. And my mom walks in. And as my mom walks in, the porn starts playing. And I was like, we were all just kind of (gasps) like, what? And my mom's like, what are you doing? I don't understand. What? Why? Why are you watching this? And I was like, what? What? She rips it out. And she starts screaming at us. And I was like, what the hell happened? Well, you know, long story short, and I become an adult. My mom and I are talking about it. She's all, well, you guys recorded over my debbie does dallas vhs and you know i know now who that (laughs) is when i was in third grade i didn't know what that was it was kind of like what the hell did my mom is screaming at us so that is my first like hello into porn and it's debbie does dallas um and now i know (laughs) that that's like iconic she's like the most iconic porn star in all of the united states and so that is my introduction to porn and then I mean, I was able, I grew up being able to watch any movie I wanted at any age. So I saw a lot of sexual interactions on TV, but no LGBT interactions. And if they were, they were always in the light of, this is an HIV AIDS, per uh, you know, victim who is on a like SBU type show that's been murdered or a trans woman has been murdered or this is a prostitute or this mm-hmm. is, you know, like A, B and C. And there was never any good positive television um, out for lgbtq lgbtq people until ellen and then you know yes comes out and that is revolutionary and changes and my mom knew for years my mom had said ellen degeneres is gay and it's okay and then when ellen finally came out we all i remember sitting around our tv watching the ellen show and it's that final episode where you know they're at the the airport and we're Mm -hmm. just all like oh And I had known, I had made a comment in elementary school that Ellen was gay. And this girl in my class yelled at me and said, that's against the Bible. That's wrong. Ellen's not gay. And here we are 30 years, well, you know, 25 years later. And Ellen is one of the largest gay icons in the world. And so my mom was always very straightforward that. And so there was never a coming out period. I never had a coming out story. I never had to come out because I was raised that I could love and date whoever I wanted to, as long as they made me happy, had good character and morals, and aligned with the things that I aligned with. Um, So I never had a coming out story. I never got coached or taught um, what to do or how to do it because I already had a really loving, fast forward through life, easy accepting mom. And that's all I really needed. I didn't need anybody else except my mom. And so,
0: I love that your mom is literally right there by you because I hope she's hearing me being like that she is literally the mom I want to be. You um, are opening me up to somebody I'm going to strive mm-hmm. to be like because um, uh, that's that's what I want to you know and like I guess that's another thing is like so a lot of my friends who identify as lesbian always talk about this and I totally agree with them anytime I've seen any kind of lesbian porn it's always super super what everybody calls in the industry lipstick yep. lesbians and they always have insane yep. nails that are so long and it looks like so it's awful they nails all the time? and like nothing yeah and like nothing it looks pleasurable like it doesn't look great and it doesn't represent the friends that i had and so it was funny because when I actually saw the movie um, uh, 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 But I'm a mm-hmm. Cheerleader was the first time that I was like, it was the most romantic, like you said, like very LGBTQ positive movie. And it was like a literal sex scene that you would see from like a heterosexual love scene, but it was between two women and it was gorgeous and so I was kind of wondering what was your first one that you saw that kind of brought to light that you were like it wasn't that weird male gaze look you know man that's so hard uh because
1: my I I say it's so hard because my brain is full of so much fresh media right now because I've just been gobbling up things on Netflix um honestly I couldn't give you a straight answer I just really (laughs) have to start looking and googling and refreshing my brain of those moments but I will say one Mm -hmm. of the most influential moments on the silver screen was Brokeback Mountain, and I saw Brokeback in the theater, um, and the theater was very empty, and that, that moment between Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger when they first interact before they get in a fight is that moment of fear and anxiety for any individual, you know, gay or straight or anything in between, having that intimate moment, and then you move into them meeting annually, and those moments become tender and full of love, and the embrace is there, but the fear is still there. And so the moment where there was no fear before um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character goes back to Dallas is the most pointed moment in my mind that I can remember looking around the movie theater after that scene, and there wasn't a dry eye in the room, but there were only six of us and seeing that on film I don't know the other six people or the other five people um I never talked to them we all exited the movie theater you know quiet and probably spaced out but um that moment is huge and that's probably the one memory that really sticks out because I was with other people watching that and that also like it's kind of like a a moment of voyeurism you're going to watch a movie that you know is absolutely about two gay men and it you know, yes. it changed the trajectory of both Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger's careers. And I think that you sit in a bit of shame of, oh, my God, are people going to see me? What are people going to think of me that um, I'm watching this film? And when I looked around and there wasn't a draw, like, you could see these people touching their eyes. I knew that life's going to be a little different in the coming years. And it is now. Mm-hmm. And then I think about in current pop culture, how the television specifically has changed and we watched with glee one in 2008 or the end of 2008 I think yeah um one of the characters comes out and he for the first time the first you know gay youth kiss is on fox and um it's beyond tender and I was teaching high school at the time in my I was in my student teaching and i went to school the next day i was substituting and my students were all talking about glee and what had just happened and i could hear the sweet comments coming out of these kids in bumpkin texas and just knowing that shit's gonna change it's gonna be amazing and i i'd say that because three years later i'm approached in a gay bar in san antonio by this girl this young woman mm-hmm. and she taps on my shoulder and i turn around and she says My maiden name was Palmer. And she said, Miss Palmer? I I, like, I cracked my, my, like, my body so quickly. And I said, excuse me? (laughs) And uh, I have a drink in my hand. And so, like, I'm not, why? Why is somebody calling me Miss Palmer? I'm in public. And I turn around, and I have no idea who this person is. And it's one of my former students. And she said, I always thought you were gay, but I didn't know what to say because teachers, you don't have those conversations with teachers, but I want you to know that you inspire me and i'm thankful that i had you subbing in my class and i said what and she said Aww. the conversation that we were all having about glee i wanted to tell the girls at the table that i was just like um god naya rivera is the characters the actress who plays character i don't remember yeah her, but yeah she said i was i was naya and the girl was a cheerleader and she was definitely just a beautiful young girl all the boys wanted to date her and she's all, that was me. And I couldn't say anything. And I'm thankful that you were there because for a moment, I just knew that that was safe. And I was like, holy shit. Like years later, it's <laughs> changing. And then here we are again. That was in 2000 and, oh God, 2011. Here we are and it's about 2020. Yeah. And it, that was 10 years ago. And look at what we see on the TV today. In mainstream ABC on right now, we have a new show called Big Sky. And the first ever um, trans, actress is playing a uh, a trans non-binary prostitute on big sky and she is making waves and you wouldn't have seen that 10 years ago you wouldn't see someone moving their wig on tv and saying this is who i am you wouldn't see people on everyday tv shows talking about their husbands and their wives and that is something that i don't think i could have ever fathomed seen in the way it is 10 years later from yeah 10 years later from meeting my student at a bar and that is amazing to me because now I don't think we're going to have to have as many coming out stories or people like us and our generation who had god awful stories because kids are going to see themselves reflected on the tv screen at a young age at a middle age at teenage you know and seeing that life dreams and things are attainable being lgbtqia yeah. or anywhere else on the spectrum and it also lends into having neuroatypical and a child with down syndrome that those characters too are being portrayed on tv you are seeing some of the coolest actors and actresses who are amazing at their craft who have down syndrome and we've never seen that before and in yeah. 2020 That has come out more times than not. We don't have people dressing up as characters anymore. We have men and women and young people who are part of these specific communities coming to auditions, getting in front of a camera and being the person that they want to be and living out their goals and dreams and desires on the big stage, in theater, on the runway, in your TV screen, on Netflix. And that is phenomenal just to see the the change and I know that's super tangential from where we were you know six minutes ago but the the evolution Mm -hmm. of queer people in tv queer people in daily life and people with disabilities and abilities that are not typical it's it's astounding
0: yeah No, I agree. And like, and the representation now, like, you know, I mean, there is still a lot of shows I feel like are problematic, like atypical and stuff where it's like hire somebody with actual autism to play the part. You know what I mean? But it's like now we're being more represented in the fact that we can actually have rules. Like, I mean, even Orange is the New Black, you know, um, having a real trans woman that actually literally takes off her wig yeah. and plays her male counterpart before she comes. But um, so one of the things I did, of which I agree, I'm like, I think it's great because I think it's not just great for the younger youth. I think it's good for parents. I think it's good for parents to see that representation on media because as much as people don't want to say this, but Media influences us, art influences us, like everything kind of goes into that hand. And so when you see more of it, the more accepting you're going to be. Um, and so I wanted to bring, bring up, um, did you ever watch the movie Kissing Jessica Stein? It was like in the 2001
1: um, era. Honestly, I don't know. Let me check because I've heard of it, but I don't know who the actors and actresses are. So let me check and do it quick.
0: Nope, I never saw it. Okay, so like that was one of the other movies I was going to say. So besides, like, you know, because I'm a cheerleader, but I'm a cheerleader, um, Je- Kissing Jessica Stein was another movie that was represented to me that a lot of my friends and, you know, the um, – who identify, like, you know, being with women and being women and women and stuff. And they love that movie because they felt like, once again, it was like one of those, I don't want to say it's a rom-com because it's a little bit more of a drama. However, they were like, it's so good because it was definitely, I think, honestly, let me me make sure that I'm not like, you know, saying this, but um, I think that the actual person who directed it was a woman which you know having a director woman is so insane the gaze is totally different and so I just didn't know if that was impactful to you as well um but you know for what it sounds like to me like you grew up in a place where you didn't have to reach out to those kind of movies because you were feeling represented in your own home which I just I think is so cool. Your mom is the coolest. I hope she understands that. <laughs> Believe
1: you me, if she could reanimate herself from her glass ball that she is in, she would sit here and say thank you. Because she, I mean, my, my mom was a swinger and I was raised knowing that my mom is a swinger. And I think that's a whole other like story to talk mm-hmm. about when you are raised who are swingers and who really truly understand polyamory. You get
0: it a, a yeah, who
1: is very open to everything, because my mom was open to everything, as long as it wasn't causing harm to yourself or harm to others, that was, it, yeah. everything was go in, in my house. Everything had a green light, as long as you could tell me why it wasn't a harm to yourself or harm to others, and it wasn't costing her an arm and a leg,
0: so... <laughs> So, did she ever like? Okay, so I do kind of want to dive into that because it is really interesting. Because um, I do have a few fans or uh, friends that are polyamorous. So, um, wh- kind of like, can you dive into that? Can you dive into? Did she ever come out to you guys, or did you guys just figure it out on your own? Like, how did that house dynamic come? I had a lot of be- aunts and uncles,
1: um, and because my yes. mom, my mom and my father, who was three, uh, they were both swingers, and they were both bisexual um and then we moved and that didn't really change with my mom um I had a, lots of aunts and uncles and one moment there was one moment where I I think I was probably 10, 12 and I my mom like I got mad at my mom and my mom and I were like screaming at each other and I made some comment about well there's just always other people here and that's not fair to dad my stepdad and my mom looked me dead point in the mm-hmm. eye and said, I have a lot of love in my heart and I can love as many people as I want. And that is really oh. came back, I realized yeah. probably when I was 19, I was in the Marine Corps and I realized that, wow, I get this because I too can love multiple people. And when I was young, I dated multiple people. I had been in quite a few polyamorous relationships and- That was very real to me and I understood it. So there was never this question, but it took me and my mom getting into a fight where my mom made that comment to me about, you know, I have a lot of love to give and I can love as many people as I want that I realized you're right. And adult matters are not concerns of my own. And I continued to live my life. And I, like I said earlier, I lived my life as a latchkey kid. So that just kind of continued. And my mom, the the poly lifestyle was very abundant in my life. And I had a lot of people loving us and a lot of people helping Mm -hmm. care for us. And I'll never, I love in their children's lives, they've been loving and kind to show that love comes in all forms and you can have lots of love from lots of people, aunts and uncles and aunties and all the things in between. And that's amazing. And so having that in my life has given me a really deep appreciation for the family you choose and not the family you are born with. And it goes right into the LGBTQ community that we are always, we're tighter with the families we choose to be with because sometimes the families we're born into let go of us and we don't have a lot of say in that, but we do have a say in the family we choose. And if we open our hearts up, we can have an amazing family there for us all the time. And I, I give that completely to my mom. My mom did that for me.
0: Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, she just sounds like a phenomenal person. Cause, yeah, I have a few friends, like I said, that are poly and stuff. And, like, I just, you know, I, it astounds me. Cause I always tell them, I'm like, I like, cause they'll talk about the, you know, people they're in interaction and relationships with and the, you know, struggles they're having as a human interaction. And I'm always like, I barely can handle me and my husband's issues, let alone bringing somebody else into this. And and But they were always telling me, they're like, but the great thing about it is there's a balance. So they're like, okay, so there's something bad going on with your husband. So instead of running to your friends, you're with like somebody else you love and that person loves that person. They're like, sometimes it's like a really good like, commutative, like, you know, interpreter that like you, everybody can sit down and be like, Hey, I know you really well. I know you really well. So let's kind of like mold this together and let's get like a really good appreciation of each other and build that communication. And I'm always like, yeah, because it, it's not just like one sided thing. Like you always have like at least somebody that's not even like an outsider, but you have a few other people that can like come in and be like, yeah, this is why this is happening. And it's kind of, nice because I I I don't know I'm I'm talking on behalf of my friends sure. not your mom and stuff like that but I always kind of felt like that yeah like it's, it becomes more of a community versus a sexual thing and I guess that's one of the things that I definitely get where it's like you know our sexuality identifies us I don't think it will never not but at the same time I think it's like sad when people don't try to understand all the sexualities and they don't all try to I don't know try to get like a good interpretive piece of it and realize it's not all about sex it's about human interaction like your mom was saying you know that we
1: forget because we're not taught and if we were taught sex ed from a young age that was age appropriate sexual education we would understand that intimacy is not all intercourse and we we have a very mm, how do i say this we have a very vague understanding of what intimacy is in america and intimacy (laughs) specifically in america Mm -hmm. is specific to p and b action and i think that's bullshit
0: yeah no i agree and like i i just you know and that's the other thing too because we were talking about like STDs during our day which are now STIs because they're not a big deal however they just like scaremongered everybody into those you know and like I just feel like nowadays it will be interesting to see when my girls go through sex ed because the last time I went through sex ed I was a paraprofessional at a high school and like even watching that I still kept being like Oh my gosh, all you guys are teaching is being like, herpes is bad. Well, guess what? That's what cold sores are, you know? (laughs) Like, this is bad. Gonorrhea is bad. And it's like, yeah, nobody tells you you just take a pill and and it goes away, you know? Or they, if
1: you contract an STI, some of them will never go away, but you treat it and you live a normal life. And if you contract something that is curable by medication, you just take the damn medicine and then we don't, we don't need to have a stigma Against it because it just causes yeah struggle. It has I know people that have committed suicide because they got uh HSV one which is herpes which is one of the her- herpes simplex oh, viruses. Yeah. And he committed suicide because his parents told him nobody would ever love him and that's not true. Also, whoever is listening, if you were born from <sighs> eighty five to today, you are more than likely a carrier of HSV if you've never had a breakout. And if you were born after 1990, you yep. absolutely have HSV in your system. And so it's not dirty. Yeah. It just happens. And our parents, anybody who was born in the eighties, our parents let everybody and their dog kiss us and hug on us. And we all got HSV. I mean, I haven't had an outbreak yet, but I'm sure I have it. And if I ever get an outbreak, I'll just deal with it. Like, yeah, it's just the thing that you deal with. And if you contract an STI, you get the medicine and don't be ashamed to tell your doctor that I itch or I'm having some weird odor or for women I'm having a discharge or for men I'm having a discharge that's not urine just go talk about it it's it's not bad
0: oh I agree because like yeah because when I got diagnosed with general warts that I got through my ex-boyfriend and long story short He was sleeping with somebody else, and I was dumb and did that whole, he loves me, so I'm not going to use a condom. So once again, use a condom. (laughs) Like, there's a reason you vaccinate. Vaccinations is the same way as condoms and masks. But anyway, and so... I didn't and then um, you know I felt super 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 dirty afterwards because nobody taught me it was okay and like it wasn't a big deal and I remember calling so many of my sexual partners because I didn't realize like how long it would spread out and I didn't know anything except for I had it and I had to get cryo frozen for it and stuff and I had so many embarrassing phone calls so many awful men who told me how dirty I was because I contracted it and stuff and I was like you know what fun fact is I got it from my ex boyfriend who didn't show signs because the specific one I had only comes through mm-hmm. through the woman, not the man, so why I'm sorry, but he was the one I guess that's dirty <laughs> and like I don't know it just like made me upset because like yeah, I got cryo frozen, it sucked but It happened and like ever since I've had both my girls and I've been with my husband, it was like right after it and stuff. And my husband was really sweet and was like, you know, I don't care. I want to be with you and stuff like that. He never contracted it. My girls never contracted it. Nobody contracted it because it wasn't a big thing, even though they made it sound like it was awful when it was like 2002. You know, (laughs) that all
1: goes back to I think proper sexual education and we're not teaching it. We're not teaching consent we're not teaching condoms we're not teaching other types of protection and i i love i love talking about sex education i wrote a thesis regarding sexual education in the new mexico school system and i love a book called the basics it's called drawn to sex the basics and it is a graphic novel that teaches um teenagers the proper format wording scientific stuff about sex along with pictures and ways to find things and use mirrors and explore your body and it's such a sex positive and body positive and and gender positive book that I teach I tell about I talk about it to everybody and I love teaching sex education because we don't know it and even as an adult you learn stuff because we weren't taught and I think when it comes down to sexual intimacy and experimentation it's important to know that you can get sick but getting sick is not bad like we've discussed and like you having had those horrible conversations with people listen up motherfuckers like you're carriers of things and most men do not (laughs) show symptoms of hsv they also don't shed a lot of exactly um, other conditions because they are carriers of it and the female body has the other side of what needs to produce whatever it is that's going to pop out. And that's not bad. And yeah. I hate, I hate that you had to deal with that. I hate that you went through those conversations because those dudes are probably just as guilty as, you know, acting the fool to other women for no fucking reason. And,
0: ugh. oh, I agree. I agree that's where like yeah I've been with a lot of guys that I'm always like you were the worst and I'm like really glad I was with my husband because he was like whatever you're getting taken care of it. it's fine and I was like cool thank you thank you for actually like listening to me and like being a part of it <laughs> And not thinking but I'm like for like, which I mean once again I hate that term because right. I feel like that girls are not for is because why is it men can sleep Absolutely. around and everywhere but women can't. If we're talking about that,
1: that is exactly what Cardi B and Megan the Stallion are pushing. Like I can be a woman who enjoys sex. I yeah. can be a woman who enjoys commanding the room and demanding how I want to be touched and being and being that, that strong person telling you what you're going to do to me because i am in control of my body but they call them both sluts and whores and easy but a man we can i think right. of dozens of songs where men have said the exact same thing and i'm looking at you 50 cent and you freaking homeboy who likes yeah. to pee and rape young girls whatever your name is because i got you like out of my brain i don't even know who you are anymore i mean i know his name but i'm not gonna yeah. say it but it's men like that who said the exact they wrote the exact same lyric and nobody called them a hoe but you turn around and wop comes out and oh my god it's the worst thing since the last worst thing um and it's just it takes away women empowerment and it tells us that we're lesser and we can't say these things
0: and, and that's complete bs oh, I agree. And like, yeah, I guess like we're just bringing about the, honestly, I agree because I'm like, I don't know how many times I was told I was a whore because I was so sexually, I call myself (laughs) sexually generous. I I was sexually generous back in my day and, uh, and stuff. And so it was funny because like, yeah, I get called a whore for that. And I was like, why? Like I literally am having sex just like all of my friends, but because you're like, I don't have a dick. It doesn't mean the same thing, you know? (laughs) And so that always frustrated me so much. Cause I was like, I'm sorry, you talk about like smelling fingers and doing this or doing that. Or like, I had a lot of gay friends and they would talk about doing stuff. And, but then they would always call me a whore. And I was like, but I literally am like having a sex as much as you guys. Like, what? (laughs) and so I agree. Like, I feel like that she really empowered it and was like, no, we're reclaiming the whore name. Like, you know what? If you're going to call us that, then we're going to identify with it. And we are freaking whores. And like, we're going to go through. And I really love it because like, we kind of talked before, I just feel like everything was such a male gaze and now I'm so happy that we're getting more of that female gaze. And even like through a lot of the songs that I've heard through the centuries or, you know, centuries of me being born. born, um, you know, I feel like like very little was women. And if it was women, it was so muted versus men, you know, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many Wu-Tang songs I've heard that I'm just like, it is so intense, even though I love Wu-Tang, you know, but then like I listen to Lord of Acid and they like, she sings about like being with a woman and wanting to like see her pussy and stuff like that. And like, I just knew so many people that were like, gross. And I'm like, wow, you listen to this Wu-Tang song where he's talking about, like, like, busting a nut and all this stuff, you know? And she's, like, just talking about being with a woman, and you're, like, gross. Sure. So I'm like, it's the same thing, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I wanted to go into, um, yep. so you know what WAP means? That is some wet-ass pussy. So it says Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and so, um, I do want to have the last part of the segment where I ask you, What is your advice to me for my girls? And how do you think I have the best conversation that is the most inclusive? And how do you think I should navigate it? And when is the age you I think, think I should start navigating it at?
1: Kindergarten is great, but we've already kind of that point with the girls and so I would say now it's never too early and so I would start now and I would start with the the basics really about shit sorry oh no I lost you
0: no you're fine
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry I lost you can you hear me oh no hello
0: Yes. Hello, nailed hello, it. <laughs> oh
1: no. Hello. Hello. Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Oh crap.
0: I can hear you. Um, you know, Ramona is in kindergarten and Molly is in fourth grade. Okay. So what advice do you have with my um, talk with them when we get to the sex conversation?
1: Well, like I was saying before, We got cut off. I think that it is never too late to start and I don't think it's ever too early to start. So I think you could start that now. And I think with Ramona doing it very age appropriately with consent, teaching consent first, and then the biological names for anatomy and not wanker or, you know, Mm PP and any of those weird little words that are in people's vernacular. Um, yes. I, would, I would discuss those first and then I would move into waiting for her I guess to ask any other question if there's more questions about like what's this what's that and then I would also talk about where babies come from because every little kid mm-hmm. wants to know where babies come from and I would do that in a way that is also age appropriate for a six-year-old or a seven-year-old and then for Molly Honestly, she's going to be going through puberty soon, and I'm sure she's started or her hormones. Oh, are she started. <laughs>
0: and, you know, it's really it's freaking me out. Not freaking me out. I shouldn't say that, but yeah, it's it's starting, and I'm just like I'm not prepared for this being a special needs mom, but sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I don't really have any good literature for special needs individuals when it comes to sexual education, but I do believe in drawn to sex the basics because it allows for, it breaks it down and it allows for the individual to dive a little deeper into some what if questions because the book raises some really good questions about, well, what's this? What's that? And I would say for you, get the book and read it and then go in order like the book does. And the book starts with what is sex? What is, uh, am I ready for sex? And those are things that aren't yet where Molly is, but like the what is sex question, I think breaks it down really easy. And it even, it talks about, you know, all these other sexual activities that some, you know, this, the book believes are sex as mm-hmm. hugging and, and butt sex and hand jobs and oral and, and P, uh, you know, PMB and um, uh, mat, like masturbation, mutual masturbation or self. And I would use it as a guide to help you break things down for her and do it in a way that's loving and caring and validating because she is going to start having urges and those urges should be validated and then I would help her explore what a vibrator is and how important masturbation is because it is self-soothing it is a de-stressor it helps with anxiety and share those things with her and then you know put a little vibrator on her bed one day and say this is yours you can keep it in your room and then you don't have to tell her to do anything with it, but she may, it may pique her interest in the future and allow that to become natural with her. And I think, you know, eventually it'll just kind of be a downward slope and she may have questions. She may not, but I would start early and I would get drawn to sex, the basics, because I think it's going to help a lot of people. And since you're doing this to help parents understand the sexual conversation that comes with puberty um, yes <laughs> you know the. I think the book is a really great tool and helps us with appropriate sexual conversations and the inappropriate ones and the what is this question you know that you might get that you don't know how to answer but I don't think there's any wrong way to have the sex ed conversation and I don't think there's really a right way because all two kids are different all two yeah. parents are different but what I would hope that everybody listening can hear is that your child knows more than what you think and if you hide from them they're going to know and when their friends tell them something that they don't already know they're going to take it as fact and those kids are 99.9 percent wrong because they learned it on the internet and you don't want your kid learning sexual education on the internet because that's where you get little boys who only watch porn and their mom and dad don't teach them what proper sexual contact is and what intimacy is and you have them having sex for the first time with a young person and slapping them or hitting them and beating them because they didn't know that that's not correct because that's how porn portrays sexual healthy relationships which we know that is not true so exactly don't hide from your kids and let them ask those weird awkward questions and be honest if you don't know the answer tell them I'm going to look it up or I'm going to ask the doctor because I don't know that. Because there is no right or wrong way to start the conversation. It's are you going to start the conversation or not?
0: Yes, I agree. And like, and like, yeah, I mean, like, if, if anybody's watched Euphoria on HBO, I mean, they definitely graphically show a boy like, you know, dipping into his dad's like very aggressive male porn and it's awful and mm-hmm. whatever. But like, I totally agree. I'm like, I just, I'm with you. It's one of those it's a hard conversation to navigate and that's why I wanted to start this because I just feel like nobody talks about this. And then when we do talk about it, I feel like either one now living in the South, I, I use the term clutching the pearls, people clutch pearls, or at the same time, everybody's like, I'm just like, go on the internet and figure it out. And I'm like, yeah, let's not like, (laughs) there's gotta be a balance between the middle, you know? (laughs)
1: Um, yeah. So I'm in the middle, right? Um, mm-hmm. I also think it's, yeah, I'm somewhere in the middle, but I'm always for like, just push through and do it. Um, so that's, it's always a really hard place to be in because I'm not in your position. Um, so it's a little harder, right? Cause you and a lot of the individuals listening may or may not have children who are neurodivergent or may have mm-hmm. some other kind of learning disability. Um, which I call abilities because I don't think anything is really a disability. We need to learn through them and work I with them. I agree.
0: Like, I think it's so weird that the disabled community, like, I, and I get that. I think it's like, just like, once again, we were talking about the whores and like representing, but I also, I'm like, I feel like we should talk about abilities versus disabilities, yeah. but. Um, yeah, like, I mean, and I agree. And like, and like I said, I just feel like like somebody, my friends are like, on one side or the other, and nobody knows how to navigate. And I'm like, I want to be the in between mom. I want to be like the really fun mom that like gets it. So you know, and like, I
1: think that getting it is the key, right? And yeah. Molly is going to respond differently than Ramona does because of their age. And also the the way that they navigate through life is going to be different. And both mm-hmm. their journeys will not be the same. But if you can show Ramona through the way that you educate and talk to Molly, Ramona is going to mimic mm-hmm. those and have those in her own relationship. And Molly is going to be the person who says, yeah, like my mom told me and you know, think about those things in her brain. And she may never verbalize those things and she may never have have any further conversation about it. But being the person to step out when it's uncomfortable is the person that I want in my life. Because the uncomfortable is a place where we find ourselves in more often than not. And we don't know how to navigate it. And we're afraid to reach out. And what you're doing is amazing. And giving this platform for people to just reach out and listen to. Um, because it's something that we need because we also aren't taught in sex ed or anywhere in school how to parent or how to deal with situations that come up with teens or youth who may or may not be our own children. And I think this is a really great learning tool for other people. Um, And I say that with a piggyback that I have a podcast that um, the the first season wrapped up a few months ago and we have a, a two-part episode about this entire topic with a 15-year-old. And mm-hmm. the things you learn are mind-blowing that a 15-year-old knows. And that 15-year-old comes from a very sex and body positive family. Um, and so mm-hmm. they've been the person who has helped correct the things that their friends thought they thought they knew about sex education and having sex. And one of their friends was um, had lost their virginity and gave their virginity away and this kid was all you didn't give anything away like that's you didn't give yeah. it away like you decide to have sex with someone and then found out that this person was getting beat and um, punched and scratched and treated like shit because the young yeah. man had been watching porn and he had never had a proper conversation with a parent um and so this episode talks about How to navigate having those conversations from a child's point of view and how they want their parent to navigate it with them. And they straight up said, Come talk to us, come tell us because we're going to go to Discord. We're going to go to, um, they have some weird, there's some weird website that teens are going to to find information about sex. And she said, Oh, and Pornhub. She goes, And we're on Pornhub and we're going to find it. So if you don't come tell us, we're going to figure it out ourselves and it might not be correct. And it was huge for a 15 year old to say that. And so to any of your listeners, your kids, while you might think it's awkward and weird and that you don't think they're listening, they want you to come tell them because they want to be armed and ready. And in 2020, we're almost in 2021. And in 2021, being prepared is so much more than what it was for us 10 and 15 years ago.
0: No, I agree 100%. And, like, that's why I want to say thank you so much, Alicia, for coming on. Of Rate, review, subscribe. If you guys have any questions for Alicia, let me know. And, Alicia, what do you want to promote Podcasts or even like your baking site and stuff like that. I want to make sure that you get um, kind of that airtime for people to come on to meet you. Um,
1: You guys can follow me at Alicia Filiolo um, on the Instas and the Twitters and on the Facebook. So cross platform, it's all my first name and my last name. You can also find me in. Uh, Apple Podcasts, um, this coming year for 2021, I have a new show being uh, released called Extraordinarily Human, where I sit and have conversations with people who inspire me. And there are over seven, um, you know, billion people hanging around the world with lots of different stories and journeys and no two stories are alike. Um, And so if you want to come hang out and share your story with me, or you just want to sit and talk about the journey that you've gone through in this life, come hang out. I'm down to chat Ask questions, find out the cool things about your life. Um, If you want to talk about sex ed, please go look up the long pause um, on Apple iTunes as well. It's called the long pause, and there are some stories there that will cause you to pause but make you think. And the sex ed talk is in there, and it's um, about four hours long. So please go and you don't have to like and subscribe, but if you want to, go for it. But please go take a listen, because I think a lot of questions that we all have regarding teens and sex will be answered. And it's coming from a a teenager's point of view and not ours. And I think it's eye-opening. But that's really all I got. And if you want to bake with me on a Sunday, or you're down to learn to bake things, you can always find me on the Instas, too. And I do that one Sunday a month now that we're getting into 2021. That'll be changing. So um, yeah, let me know. I'll schedule you in. And if you want to hang out, come hang out, because that's really what life's all about
0: cool. And like I said before, I'm like, I really hope I was I saw your zoom call with all the other nailed it people to bake. So I hope if you guys do that again, that you include me because I would be so much fun. So
1: absolutely, I think we're gonna try and do one um, in the the next couple months after 2021 has started to lull down. Um, And as soon as we figure that out, I will shoot you a text message and get you into we have a group chat Uh, once we start those things we put a group chat together and get you into the group chat and we can bake and have fun and hang out with I call everybody on Netflix um my Netflix cousins and all of my nailed it brothers and sisters so we'll plug you into the family tree and if there's anything that you need please do not feel like you can't reach out because I'm always here
0: Well, thank you so much, Alicia. You were the best and you have a wonderful night. And thank you for coming on my podcast. You
1: have a wonderful night as well. And thank you for having me. I hope we chat soon. Bye. -bye.